All right, so welcome back to the Expert Edge. Uh, today, I've got one of my good buddies, uh, Bobby Klink, and we're talking all things email marketing. Now, if you send a weekly newsletter, like you know a lot of people teach to send, you're probably making some of the mistakes that Bobby really reveals in this interview today. It's super practical. I took a ton of notes. And he walks through a specific framework in how to write engaging emails that not only not only sell your stuff, but also really build connection. And it's actually, we, we go through the, the process of building connection through your emails the right way so that when you make an offer, when you sell something, the sell just becomes so much easier, especially through the email process. Now, I think that email is such a crucial, important part of um, your message and building your business. And so this is going to be a really valuable listen. We go into tons of practical stuff. You're going to walk away with some really cool things that you can implement right away. Bobby's also got a new book coming out, uh, which is called uh, Email Marketing That Doesn't Suck. (laughs) I love it. Uh, He's a bit kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, and I really like his humor and um, we have a great conversation. So if you're interested in the book, the link is in the show notes, uh, but there's a ton of cool free stuff at the end that we go through as well that you can check out. So let's get into it. Uh, Bobby Clink, all about email marketing that doesn't suck. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Bobby Clink, welcome back to the Expert Edge, brother. Thanks for having me, man. You know, I don't know, two two extroverts talking, we might talk for a while. <laughs> it's it's going to be on. I mean, anytime we are in the same room, there's a lot of activity, a lot of uh a lot of uh, kind of shout outs going on. <laughs> Anyone who's facilitating in front of us, they've got, they're in trouble. Yeah. I still love though, that everybody thought I was the uninhibited extrovert, not you. I'm like, no, no, that that's Colin, not me. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm shy <laughs> most times. Yeah, you're the, you're the shy guy. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it, mate. Um, you've got a new book coming out, which yep. is what we want to talk about today. And I want this to be like super helpful, practical for people. And then also for them to go and check out your book, which I'm really excited about because I, I think writing a book, um, anyone to, who, who writes a book, I take my hat off to them because it is a slog. Like it's not, it's not an easy process. Um, so tell us about the book. I know the book is all about like email marketing that doesn't suck. Yep. Um, and because I, I'm not going to lie, uh, you know, a lot of email marketing sucks. And yep. I think I saw a post on social media recently where you said like something like, you know, stop sending newsletters. Well, I've said that before. I mean, I, yeah. I have a newsletter. Newsletters are okay. Right. Um, but like, I, I think the open, the opening line of the intro is something like, since you're reading this get book, I assume you suck at email, which, you know, that, that pretty much sums up <laughs> what the book is like. Um, Cause I love that. Most people, when they when they're emailing, look, it's one of those things where like we're told we're supposed to do, so people are just checking the box. Yes, and and they're sending the email, like send a weekly email, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, but about what? And why mm. am I doing it? And what's the role it's supposed to serve? And all of those things. And so, because of that, it sucks, right? And and yeah. I'm sure, like you know, when you talk about speaking one of the things you, you really dive into people is understanding why you're doing the things you're doing. And when you do that, you can actually, you know, get your point across, be yeah. effective at speaking, do all those things. It's the same thing with email. 
Mm. You need to understand what you're trying to accomplish with email and then practice doing it. And, and it doesn't have to suck, but also like part of the play on words with the, with the title is that I know like email, I think sucks for everybody involved most times. Like the, the, the <laughs> entrepreneur hates writing it. Cause they're like, yeah. Oh, crap, what do I have to write? And they, they got a blinking cursor that I'm like, what in the world am I supposed to put in here? So it's a slog yeah. for them. And then I, let's be honest, Colin, like, if you look at it, most emails I get in my inbox, I, you know, even ones that I don't unsubscribe from, I'm like, Ugh. you mm. know, like there's no value in it. There's no reason for me to read it. And so yeah. that's what's happening. And so my goal with this was to try to, you know, give a, a very easy to follow approach to changing how you approach email. And, and I mean, again, I've, I've had a course, which is free forever, which we're in the process of revising and revamping. But I was like, you know, a book is, is a better way for a lot of people to do it. And so mm. I took on the task of writing the book and the book is written like my emails. It, it's not, I mean, and I, I want to caveat this. We had line editors, we had copy editors, we had all that mm. process, but I didn't worry about writing it in, in King's English. I mean, I, I wrote it like I write my emails, very conversational, very fun, very snarky. I've been told that it's actually a funny book, which is interesting. Mm. It's a book about email, but people are saying that, that literally they're laughing out loud reading it. And then when they read passages to their like husband or other people around them, they laugh too. like not even marketers are enjoying mm hearing the book. So I wanted to make it light. So it would be easy to read and make it not suck for you and not suck for your uh, subscribers. No, I, I could see that because I know from knowing you over a number of years, like you, you've got this, like, uh, you know, you've got like an abrupt side to you where you like say what you think. Um, you kind of just throw it out there, you know, yeah. and it, and it like breaks, it's like a pattern interrupt. I, I find for people, right? like you just throw stuff out there and I can well, see, I can see myself laughing, reading the book. Well, well chap chapter one is titled, let's start by pissing everybody off. Yeah. And, and like I start by like blaming conversion copywriters and funnel strategists for screwing everybody's mindset up about email. <laughs> then I piss off the yeah. coaches by saying a lot of the coaches don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I, I don't remember like, but I, the whole thing is about me basically just like deconstructing the stuff, yeah. not, and, and not to admit it to be in a confrontational way, but in a fun way that, that yes. kind of helps people maybe look at things a bit differently and approach email, but also like the first chapter is really about marketing and my, my views about marketing as much as anything else. So right. no, that's great. Now I know you started out as a lawyer. Um, yeah. You're, you know, you, how many years were you, were you a lawyer? I know you're still a lawyer, but, but like, no, I don't anymore. I, I know oh, you practice, but uh, I, I got my law degree in 2002. So from 2002 yeah. until 2017, I was a practicing lawyer. So 15 mm. years in there, nothing but lawyering. Then 2017 yeah. is when I, started to make the shift into the online world. That was my year of utter failure. Uh, spent about mm. 50 grand on different stuff, made one sale and she asked for a refund. So it wasn't really working out great, but, yeah. but that was my entry. And then um, 2018 was my year of success where I, I wasn't, I don't think I had any active lawyering stuff then. Then 2019, I had to go back to it for a couple of reasons, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's the history. And, and, what did you uh, learn from being a lawyer and how has that influenced how you write? Maybe from like the moving, moving away from being a lawyer. Like, like I'm curious, like, like what are some of the positives you learned? Because I know that, you know, you're a super smart dude um, and you've got a lot of knowledge. Um, how did be, yeah, being a lawyer, being involved in like cases and stuff like that influence how you write now and how you connect with your audience and stuff? 
So it's interesting. And, and it's one of those chicken and egg problems. Like people who, um, people who know me who are, who are like personality experts would say that I became a lawyer because that's my strength. It's not so much that lawyering taught me some of these things. Um, but what we do as marketers, especially when it comes to conversion copy, let's be honest, what mm -hmm. we're doing is trying to make a case for something yes. or make a case against something. 100%. That's all we're doing. And so, for example, when, you know, when we were in a mastermind together and there was a session about like, um, you know, making your case and logical arguments, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, th this is all second nature for me. I don't have mm -hmm. to think about those things. It's just what I do. Similarly, being a, a, you know, kind of doing belief shift where I, you know, point something out and naturally find flaws and point out the flaws. Again, that's just natural to me. Mm -hmm. and, and I cultivated that. Um, but being a lawyer meant that for the last, you know, 15 years before I got into this space, but then in the five years since when I was lawyering, I mean, I had to be good at persuasive writing. Yeah, I, that, that's part of it. Now, it's a very different style, right? I mean, in there, I'm having to do much more nuanced arguments. I'm having to, to cite case law and quotes mm. and do all those things in a different way than you have to do on the online marketing space. But I had to do that. But so in the, in the online marketing space, you don't need, don't need any facts. You just make them up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. That's uh, uh, true. You know, but no, I mean, actually in the online marketing I'm space, it, I'm joking it's with more, that. yeah, it's more like back in my days in high school, I was in debate and, and it's, yeah. you're just making logical arguments, right? You yes. don't have to do it. I mean, I do try to quote like quote sources. I, I did a training yeah. recently about content marketing and um, there's a woman, Katie White, who runs this company and I'd seen something she'd put out there and I said, Hey, that's a great quote. So I put it in my thing, but I directly quote her, give her credit yeah. and all that. But oh, I love it. But no, I mean, it's, it's just a very different kind mm. uh, of nuanced world. And, and the big thing was actually for me getting away from this sense of having to write in a formal professional yes. kind of way, because that's, that's not what's going to connect with no. people. So let's get into that. So first of all, I want to ask, because the, the, the title of the book is kind of like moving away language. So it's like mm -hmm. how to write email that doesn't suck. Yeah. So what makes email suck? Like what are the big things that if you look at like the structure of your book and some of the things you point out, what are the big things that make email suck that our listeners might be doing? Yep. Um, and even myself, like I'm, I'm here to learn. So there's a couple of things. One is, I mean, one of the things that makes email suck is, is that people are always selling with email. And I don't mean that they're always mm. selling literally a product, but every email they send, really their goal is to sell something, even if just a click. And if you think about it, for, forget being a marketer for a second, forget that you're a business owner. Think about how to, it feels to you when every time someone communicates with you, they really they're asking and really expecting you to do something. It doesn't feel good, right? Yet that's what we're doing. And we judge email. And this is where like I blame the conversion copywriters. I said, part of the problem is that email marketing has traditionally been taught by, by either conversion copywriters who cut their teeth writing sales copy, writing yeah. launch emails, writing all that, but then wanted a scalable product. So they're going to teach emails. Mm. They, they, they brought that same sense of how you approach email to weekly emails, right? So that's one of the things that people do. So everybody fixates on what is my click-through rate 
on a weekly email, I'm like, I don't care what my click-through rate is. I don't care if anybody clicks the link to go listen to my podcast because that's not what an email is about. The email is about building a connection, a relationship, so people get to know me. And that's a very soft thing, right? I mean, you can't really measure the no like and trust factor. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that drives a lot of people nuts in the hyper direct response marketing world we live in where people want to measure everything. I'm like, look, part of what you got to do with email is there's a feel. And there's a flow and you're like, hey, is my audience engaged? You know, I don't have a hard number, but people are responding. So I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and those are the types of things. So that's one thing. People sell too much. Another thing is they ghost you until they're selling, right? A lot of people do that. They, they don't send anything. And, and then all of a sudden you start getting a lot of emails from them. You're like, must be going into a launch. Yeah. And, yeah and <laughs> just get like, a flood you know, of, of emails. So can we just come back to this other yep. one? Because that first point, I think is really powerful. Um, so what you're saying is like, even if you're just, like, let's say you're writing an email, you're not actually selling it, like, you know, directly selling any products. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just linking up your podcast, like, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, you help it, you know, you're, you're writing an email to push people to your podcast. It, it, that is not necessarily giving to your audience that there's a level of take to it because you're requiring them to do something. And, and you can address that. And again, part of this comes up in a way that you approach it, right? Because if you think about it, the way people craft those emails is all about, I'm not going to give you all the details here. I want to, like a lot of people are trying to just open loops for people that force people to go listen to the podcast, which yep. like you said, that is taking, it's not actually making their lives better. Mm. And when you bring this, every email is a sale approach. That makes sense, right? That's what you're going to do. And and I have to excuse the, the conversion copywriters and the funnel strategists, because if you think about how big businesses use email, I mean, for Old Navy, email is a sales vehicle. That's all it is, right? That's that, all it that's, is, yeah. And, and that's all it should be, because yeah. I don't know about you, but yeah. I don't need connections to those big businesses. <laughs> I don't need Apple no. to, to you know connect with me. I'm like, hey, I like your products. I'm going to use them, right? And so that's yes. it. Yes. In our world, though, one of the big things that, that we are selling is us. We're not selling Mm. ourselves literally, but ultimately we are. We're selling the notion that I'm your guy. I'm the one that you want to work with to get help on this particular issue with. And a lot of that is, do I like the person? You know, I mean, Mm. you know, Colin, you can have great advice, but if I don't like you, I'm I'm going to pick Mm. someone else. And and there's a lot of people who don't like me, right? I mean, let's just be clear. People who are very calm introverts probably don't like either one of us. Mm. I mean, you know, we're not their people. I think they like me still. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sure I'm Jake. I'm Jakey. Um, but, We've but been again, friends for too long for me. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, so I, you know, I had to laugh at that, but, but you get the point. We're not for everybody. All yes, of us. Absolutely. We have our people that we're for and people that we aren't for. And so hundred percent part of what email is about, and this is where it's, I think is one of the most valuable channels for this. And, and I'm not someone who says email is the best. I don't make superlative statements. I, I'm out of that mm. business because I think yeah. all of it has a role for different things. I agree. Like it's that whole thing where people say email is dead. It's like, like email is never going to die. Like no. it's just a well, vehicle. At some point it will, right? At some point mm. we won't use email. We'll use yeah. something else. But people have been predicting email for death for a long time. But yeah. Like I think of everything as where does it fit into my marketing plan? So like, where does email fit into my marketing plan? Where does social fit into my marketing plan? Where does my podcast fit in? I think all of that stuff, not as one is best, one is worse, but they do different things. And Mm. email fits really well in two places. One is selling. And we can talk about why I think it's actually one of the most powerful ways to sell. And the second is connecting with your people, building Mm. relationships and 
the goal should be to establish yourself as something between a friend and a trusted advisor so that yeah. when you do go to sell, what, what happens, all of a sudden they're getting emails from someone that it doesn't feel like a rando on the internet. It feels like someone they trust recommending a product to them. Mm. That is way more powerful. And if you do the connection stuff right, what I say is, if you do the connection stuff week in and week out, right, that, that selling stuff, you can write a kind of eh, mediocre sales sequence and it'll sell. Mm. On the other hand, if you don't do that weekly stuff right, you could hire the world's best copywriter to write the world's best sales sequence, and it's not going to convert well because yeah, so people aren't even going to be paying attention. And so that's kind of the mistake that one of the big mistakes now in selling, I think email is one of the more powerful tools because if you think about it, I can't think of another channel where I can realistically deliver a series of messages in a very specific order and know what they've seen by the time mm. they're seeing this email and, and curate it over a multiple week period if I want to. Now, mm. we could do a video series. We can do those things. But even those, I mean, you know, I'm sure you know, I mean, you don't really know and, and people don't show up and, and it's hard. Whereas with email, you have that direct line into their inbox where you can deliver here's the first message I want you to hear, here's the second, here's the third, here's the fourth in a sequence and know that they'll do it, which gives you power of communicating the best way possible. Yeah, it gives you a lot of control, doesn't it? Like when yeah. it's like, have they clicked on it? Have they opened it? Yeah. Um, like all that sort of stuff and, and it has that agility to it. Um, what, what have you found, like, like in your book, what mm -hmm. are some of the big ideas? What's some of your favorite ideas that you mm -hmm. talk about in the book that really shifts people's perspective of like how to start thinking about email and even some specific things that they can do? So the book is split into two parts. So part one is you could think of as, and again, I don't love mindset, but it's mindset. It's like how you approach, how you think of email. And then part two is the more tactical part. So it almost looks, it reads kind of like two very different books. I mean, it's yeah. the same, but- No, I like that. I love that structure. Yeah. yeah, and part one to me is my favorite part. And some of the big ideas in there, we've already talked about. One is that email should be about connection, not just conversion. I mean, conversion's mm -hmm. great and all that stuff. And, and one of those, one of the things I literally talk about that, that, that I joke about, this is something I say, not just about email, that, you know, I, I hope this doesn't hit too close to home, Colin, but- I joke that a lot of online marketers are literally operating from a playbook that was written in the 1960s, breakthrough advertising. And we act like that's the only mm -hmm. thing we should be doing. And that's the direct response marketers, like, you know, handbook, playbook, whatever you want to call it. Right. And I say, that's great. I'm all for that when you're writing copy, but that's only one part of marketing. And, yeah. and we need to be doing other parts of marketing and email should fit into these other parts of marketing. So that's one of the big messages. Now, the second one we've already alluded to as well, that, that the big goal of email should be to position yourself as a friend. Hmm. And that when you do that, all of a sudden things get easier because you're not, you know, you're, you're not this random person on the internet, but instead someone who people trust, people want to listen to, hmm. but also there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And I don't say this in a, you know, I don't say this in a, um, cliche way. Cause a lot of people say, oh, I've taught you this stuff. You should use it the right way. I mean, that's the cliche thing, but I really mean it. If you violate that trust once you can lose it forever with your audience. Mm. And so you yeah. have to, to zealously guard that. I'm going to treat you the right way. I'm not going to try to trick you. I might play tricks on you like pranks, but I'm not going to try to deceive you or something like that. Yes. 
because that is hugely valuable. So those are some of the big messages of part one. I mean, there's more. We talk about like how to think about writing emails and, and how to find your voice and why you should not use the King's English and all that stuff and why mm-hmm. newsletters generally are a bad idea. Like this was one of the big breakthroughs I had writing the book um, was about this concept because I haven't written newsletters mm-hmm. for a while. And, and for listeners who who aren't in on the joke, I used to say that newsletter is a four-letter word because even if you weren't writing it truly as a newsletter of like, here's all the different things that happened this week, when you use that term, oftentimes you're thinking about, it's about the content. It's about letting people know the content that I put out this week, not about a connection piece. Mm. So I had told people, send these story-based weekly emails instead forever. But I, I, for a long time, I thought that the reason why story-based worked better was because they were more fun. They showed more personality. Well, Mm. yeah. at some point I introduced a newsletter that it started with a, a rant. So I would rant about something in, in, in the space. I would give a tip and it was me through and through. And people loved it because it showed all my personality. The mm. problem was it didn't show any stories about my life. And so I, for a long time, I was trying to figure out what is it about these story-based emails that is more powerful. And this was where the, the, the pandemic and lockdowns came through. I don't know about you. I don't know how you handled it, but I, I binged a lot more TV than I used to because, yeah. you know, couldn't go anywhere. And so oh, totally. I would find myself coming to like the end of a series. And when the series ended, I would be sad. And I remember that feeling from back in the day, but like back in the day, like when Seinfeld ended, it was like, I don't know if there's gonna be another show I'm gonna like this much, or, or that was the feeling. That yeah. was, That's not the case when you're binging, right? Because I could just go watch it again, but also I know there's endless supplies. I realized that the sadness was that the, the characters on the TV show had become characters in my life. And all of a sudden, I knew there was going to be a void. That person wasn't going to be in my life anymore. Well, story-based emails do the same thing. If you do it right, you become mm. a character in your subscribers' lives. That you know, I like to describe my emails are basically the, the, the drunkard's walk of an online marketer. That's basically what it is. I'm like, oh, let me tell you something, something, to the, something this week about something that, that might relate to a lesson. And when I do that, people get to, to see me in various contexts. And because of that, now they want that. They mm. want to experience more of Bobby's stories. Mm. And that is why they tune in week after week. That's why people say that like they, they, they will read every one of my emails. That's why people say that literally they, they even if they have a product, oftentimes they say, can you send me the promo sequence? Cause I want to get, I want to get to promos. Mm. I mean, how many times does that happen? Hmm. Not very often, but it does with my audience sometimes. Can I ask, so let's say, you know, someone listening to the podcast that, you know, they've got a coaching business or a course creation business. Yep. Um, and they're writing their weekly email that, they, they, you know, they're doing what they've been told to do kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, what, what's a, th- what's a way that they can, you know, use some of your methodology, like yep. literally like this week, I wanted okay. to obviously grab the book, but like, what's something that they could use something like even this week of where they could add a bit more personality or spice to what they're doing. Yep. Um, and they just see how that, how, how that responds to their audience. Yep. So I, I, I'll, we'll walk through what, what I call, um, the addictive story-based email framework. I, I don't like templates because if, if someone gives you a template and you're filling in the blanks, it's not you. So instead, we're going to give a framework. And yeah. your weekly emails should follow a pretty, you know, pretty consistent framework week in and week out. Hook, yeah. story, or analogy, yeah. lesson or message, and call to action. Yeah. Hook, story, 
lesson, call to action. And, and the heart of it, so, so if you're creating content, if you're creating content each week and that's what you're emailing about, good. You already know the message. The message or the lesson is something you can tease out of that. And it doesn't have to be the whole thing, but it's one line of one message you'd want to get across to your business or across to your people. So for me, for example, it might be like business should be simple. That's one of the things I say all the time, you know, or it could be business isn't about the, the bells and whistles. It's about doing the fundamentals, right? So that could be my lesson, right? So yeah. in drafting your email, you figure out what is that lesson. So if you're creating content, you pull it out of your content. If you're not, you got to figure out what is a message or a lesson I would like to get across to my audience. And, and you figure that piece out first. So you figure the lesson out, then you engineer your emails around that. So the call to action is pretty simple. Again, if, if you have podcast content, the call to action is go check out my thing, but you don't really care about that, but you're giving them a link to it. Mm. If not, you know, you could say hit reply. You could say, hit me up on social, whatever. Just it, it, by the way, the call to action doesn't have to be for you. It could be my call to action to you is go create that list. Like if I was telling people to create a list, the importance of creating a list, I could say, go create that list. That's my call mm. to action to this week. So you're just telling them to do something and it's not all about you. It's just something. Mm. Um, the story then that you pick, I call these personal vignettes. And so they're like little moments from your life that can be turned into a parable that makes the same point. So mm -hmm. the business should be simple, for example. And sometimes it can be an analogy, not a story. But, but I told this story on Easter week a few, I don't know, three years ago, probably, about a beer that one of my friends would always bring over that I call an abomination. And, and the subject line, the hook was, I don't like sweet baby Jesus because sweet baby Jesus is the name of the beer. And it was about how this beer is an abomination. It's a strong porter with chocolate and peanut butter in it. And I said, <laughs> you know, American disgusting. Yeah, I'm like American craft brewers have destroyed beer. The beauty of beer is its simplicity. It, it's mm. that you can create amazingly wonderful flavors from four ingredients. And mm. that's how beer should be made. And so then I said, that's like business, just like beer. The best mm. businesses are simple. They're not about adding the proverbial chocolate and peanut butter, but instead about doing the basic marketing pieces. Right. So that's kind of how I, I take a story or an analogy that people can say, ah, and, mm. and they can draw the same lesson in a different context and it'll help them make, make sense of it. So can I, can I use this example? Like, this is great. Can we go deeper into this? So for example, if you're writing this email, you know, mm -hmm. you've got this hook that's like, like how, what would the hook look like for like an, a, an email like that? So the hook, like literally the hook there is just the subject line. I don't oh, like the subject line. So right. the, the hook then, is your subject line. It's just something yeah. that makes them say, I want to read what this is. It, like right. the hook's purpose is to get them to read the story. That's it. So they, they open the email yeah. and then it says like, you know, Hey Jenny, uh, mm -hmm. or something like that. And then how, what do you recommend with like, even like that first opening couple of lines, do you go, you know, John walked through the door and he had this beer in his hand or like, how do you kind of like think about, you know, like the, those first couple of sentences, what, are, how do you think about that? So, I mean, it, it really all depends on, on how you approach it, but I don't like, I don't worry about like any specific thing, but so like yesterday, or no, yesterday, not Monday, Monday, I sent an email. The subject line was the most wonderful day of the year. The subject, that was the subject line. And then it starts today is a great day. I mean, it's freaking tax day. Hopefully you've got your taxes all done by now. If not. So again, it's like, it's not really a story, but it's kind of a joke. And I made this joke of saying, look, tax day is the only day that, that someone is annoying you more than lawyers. So like, that was the, that was really the hook there. And that's why yeah. I was like, Hey, it's my favorite day. It's the only day that I'm not the worst guy. 
So like, that's an example. And I literally just launched straight in. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's a true story, yeah, I'll just go straight into the story. I don't think about doing something different. Um, I don't worry about it. Um, I don't worry about kind of coming up with things like I had a, a recent email I sent was the subject line is a decade long argument with my dad. And then the first line is during my second year of law school, my dad and I took a trip to Costco while I was working while I was home for a holiday. Little did I know that trip would lead to the longest running fight ever. And, and it told this story of basically us getting a buying these the suitcase set and me taking one and us having a very different memory. And, and the memory, my memory was we only bought the suitcase set because I was going to take this one and he was going to keep the rest. His memory was I stole that one from him or I was supposed to borrow that and bring it back. And so over the next like decade and a half, literally every time I bring that suitcase back, he would argue with me. The point of it was the lesson was, look, we, we weren't fighting just to be, you know, for the sake of it. We literally had different memories and that mm -hmm. happens in business. If you don't get things in writing, that will happen in your business. So that was how I kind of tell a story and then hook it in. But I just launched straight in. Now, in the old days, when I first started this, like I would tease what the content was at the top. So like, I think the first time I, I did it, I said something like, um, in this week's episode of the podcast, I, I interviewed Mike McCallowitz about how to make your business run like clockwork. But before I get to that, I want to tell you a story. So I used to do that. Mm. And you can try that. But now I just go straight into the stories. I don't, I don't do one of those prefaces. I just launch it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. And so one thing that I've been testing is because I remember from our conversation, mm -hmm. I actually took a lot of your principles and started yep. been using them and, and our open rates have, have dramatically increased, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Now, what, one of the things I shifted, which was based off, it actually was, you know, seeded from one of the conversations I had from you was, was going like, don't send an email about podcast, send an email that's valuable like, mm -hmm. you know, the front end of the email, like super valuable, right? Like there's yep. actual, like there's, there's ideas, there's points that they could use. Maybe there's one key idea or something like that. And then, then at the end, and it's like, and on the podcast this week, we interviewed so-and-so yep. and this is what you'll learn from the podcast. Click here if you want to take a listen. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, and they have nothing to do with each other. They actually like, were very different. I actually have separated them out consciously, but that, that, like, I mean, I, th I think our open rate went up like 15% or 10, yeah, 10 to 12% or so, but it was quite significant on a large database. Yeah. And if you think about it, the reason why that happens is if someone wants to listen to your podcast, they're already going to listen to your podcast, yes. right? <laughs> they don't, don't want to do it. So um, I like to say to write a great email, by the way, the standard isn't high to write great emails, mm. but a great email needs to do a couple of things. One, it needs to serve your audience. Two, it needs to serve your business. But in each one of those things, there's multiple pieces here, right? So in serving your audience, I think the ideal email does two things. One, there is a, it serves them right there in the moment. Like it gives mm. them some kind of emotional reaction that makes them happy, inspired, motivated, whatever it is. I don't really care what, but so literally just from reading the email, even if they don't do anything with the lesson or anything like that, their life is better in that moment. So that's one of the things, because again, that's why people will open. Like if they're like, Hey, if I get an email from Bobby, chances are it's going to make me smile. They're probably going to open. So it's a way to get it now, but also we're not professional entertainers. So if all our emails did was entertain at some point, you know, Colin, as great as we are, there are people who are much funnier than us, who are much better entertainers. Yeah. So people won't stick around for that. So that's why you have the lesson or the message, right? Mm. And that's something that it's 
maybe they don't, it doesn't make their life better today, but if they apply it, it will. If they remember that message, it will make mm. their thing, their life, their business, whatever you help people with better. Right. So it's this kind of dual role. It's the some kind of, and this is where the story, the story is really good at both of these things because the story will get an emotional reaction, but also should teach this little lesson. So it does that. Now, from your business's perspective, there's again, two things. Number one is you want to connect with people. So that's part of it. And that's why personal stories are better than me telling the story of someone else, right? Because if I tell the story of someone else, it doesn't connect with me. But then the other piece is even when you're not selling, and again, this may seem counterintuitive from what I said before, you do want to be moving people along the journey so that they will be more likely to buy from you. And again, the lesson does that because it's, it's unlocking one more thing that will help you. So again, this is why, especially if you do a podcast where you interview other people, I think disconnecting the two is great, right? Because at some level, if if you don't help people with email and you had me come talk about email and your, 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 your email to your list was about that. I mean, okay, fine. But it's weird that that's what the lesson you're getting. Cause that yeah. won't necessarily move them closer to buying from you. Uh. Instead, you want the message to be something that will see why they should potentially work with you, buy from you, something like that. And again, it doesn't have to be expressed, but mine business should be simple. Uh, part of that is, hey, I need people to believe that because I'm not going to help you come up with a, a funnel map that's going to make people's head hurt because that's not my approach to business. So if that's what you want, man, we're probably not for you. So hmm. it's some of those things of seeding your ideas or knocking down obstacles or objections or things that, that stop people from taking action. That's the stuff that will really start to move the ball forward. So that's the second piece of serving your business. So this is why this structure of a story that, that can be turned into a parable that's personable, personal, and then you literally teasing out what is the lesson? What's the mm. message from this is powerful because it, it serves your audience short-term, long-term, and it serves your business. Mm. I remember um, one of the guys that I was following for a while, they, he told this one story that I'll just never forget. And it was just like a simple email. And it mm. was about how he went to the grocery store and he went to buy like beans Mm -hmm. And, and there was the beans up at the top and they were like, you know, they're like, you know, a, a dollar a pound kind of thing. And then there was beans below it, which were beans that were packaged and, um, and like, they were like pre-cut and, okay. and they were like a dollar 30 per pound. And then there, and then up down below, there was like beans that were like marinated pre-cut and organic. And they were like, you know, a dollar 90 per pound. Yep. And he was just kind of talking about how like the more kind of work you can do up front or the more, you know, you can package your offer effectively, the more you can charge for it. Yep. And, and it was just like that, like that sort of story, it was just like stuck in my mind. Right. And that's the thing. So, and this is the thing, the trick with a great story is that it's not directly related. So I don't mm. tell a lot of stories about business in that point, because if people are already on board with, like if the story will make sense to them from a, you know, parable standpoint, guess what? Then, you know, they've, they're already bought in. What, what's powerful is when I tell a story that, that seemingly has nothing to do with business or legal stuff that I can then pull a message out of. And, and by the way, when you get good at this, you can pull multiple messages out of the same story. So that, that mm. the story about that Costco suitcase. One of them is the legal story, but another story I'm going to pull out of it is positioning because 
The fact that I had a Costco brand, like Kirkland Signature brand suitcase that lasted me 15 years <laughs> through being a lawyer where I traveled all the time says something about the quality of their brand. And I still remember that. And so again, mm. I can pull this same, a, a completely different idea out of the exact same story. Mm. And there's, there's, when you get good at it, you'll just start to see all these connections. This is where I do have to say though, I have a, a natural ability at this. When you look at my, my Gallup strengths, literally on the sheet, one of the things it says is you naturally tell stories from your personal life and relate them to business. I mean, that's literally in there. It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. yep, I, sure I was going to get to this. Like, I feel like there's a bit of hard, hard work that people have to do. Like, even for me, you know, I do tell a lot of stories and people might think I'm a natural storyteller, but like, I, I do, I have to do the work. Like I have right. to sit down and go, what are the stories in my life? And I put them on, um, I usually use Evernote and I just like create lists of stories and things that are happening in my life, whether they can relate to something or not. Like, is that something that you recommend or you do? Or like, what do you teach people to gather their stories? Like the hard work, you know, you have to so, do it before. So I don't, I don't have to do it because my brain just yes. naturally does. <laughs> so, so I don't, but yes, I do suggest it. And by the way, I want to be clear. This is not unique to email. This is something mm. storytelling as a marketer, You've, you, I don't want to say you've got to do it, but you got to do it. I mean, let's yeah, just you got to do it. You got to do it. 100%. I mean, whether you're speaking on stage, whether you know you're writing copy, whether you're, you're writing emails, stories matter, mm. and so you have to get good at this. And when you listen to the, the the best marketers in the world, they're just naturally telling stories. There's there's no way around it. But most of them didn't start that way. And so what I suggest to people for email specifically, but you can do this broader for like all everything in business. You can think, what are the themes that I talk about a lot in business? Things like business should be simple. Like that's not a single message. That's a message and a lesson I'm going to want to get across multiple yeah. times. So you create these things and basically create kind of silos and say, I'm going to need lots of stories about that. Like another one of mine is the, the, the conventional wisdom being garbage because I, I, I do a lot of where I'm, I'm, you know, fighting against the, the conventional wisdom and online marketing. So mm. I have to have stories where I can either tell a story. And again, this is, I don't use those examples. I don't talk about in business, but outside of business where I followed conventional wisdom and it was a big mistake or mm. where I ignored it and it worked out well. So I've got to have those kinds of stories. So you come up with the categories. Then depending on how good you are at remembering things, on a daily or weekly basis, you need to just catalog them. And the way that I think that helps is don't just say what stories do I have, but instead ask yourself specific stories. Where did I go today? Hmm. Who did I talk to? What did I do? If you ask those questions and then you'll say, oh, well, I met Joe. Was there and then you have to say, is there anything to that that I could pull into one of my buckets of stories that I need? Hmm. And if so, you, you jot it down. Now, you probably, you, you shouldn't write the story right then. Most of the, the time you're going to write enough so that you have enough to remember what the story is, but that's about it. So that's kind of how you harvest your stories on a regular basis and, and doing that will make you better at it. But then I'm going to challenge you, think back to prior times in your life, prior phases, prior places, because part of the the real value. And again, this is in email, but, but it's, it's also in storytelling more generally mm. and, and in everything you do, Colin, people aren't all going to relate to the same thing. 
So telling stories of you in different contexts will help you to connect and relate to different people. So some of my stories are about me being a husband or a a father that will relate to people who are fathers, but it's not going to relate to people who are single, have no, you know, whatever. So they're Mm. not going to relate to that. I tell stories like one of my stories about debate in high school and about a weird little event I had to do something that nobody would think of. One of the stories I tell in the book is about when I moved to Fort Worth to be a prosecutor, there was a, um, like at the end of my blocks, like, I don't know, half a mile, three quarters of a mile, like out of like, it was the exit from my residential neighborhood. There was this bar or it was a bar with no windows called VIPs. Colin, I'm betting you can just make the same assumption I did about what kind of place it was, right? Bar with no windows called VIPs. So my wife and I never went there. And then two years into into living there, we had an intern working at the prosecutor's office where I was. And I asked him, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And he said, oh, some friends are coming to town, so we're going to VIPs. And I gave him a funny look because I was like, did you just tell a guy you're going to a strip club? It's kind of like the look (laughs) I gave him. And, And he's like, you know, it's just a dive bar, right? I was like, wait, what? And so I told that story in the book as an example of why your first email matters because first impressions matter. This bar, mm. I finally went to it. It was a dive bar that had everything I wanted, including tamales, which are fantastic at about midnight mm. after you've been drinking all night. And I'm like, because they made a bad first impression with the name and a bar with no windows and I made mm. these assumptions, they lost out on my business for two years. Yeah. And so I make that same point. Well, your email, if you send an email that gives people a bad first impression, they're not going to stick around. So, but that's the thing I had to cultivate that and think through these points in my life of where could I think of a bad first impression? And that was an example that came up in my mind. So you'll have to to work at it, but once you start working, I don't know what it's like for you. I think you get to the point that you'll just start thinking of stories from five years ago, 10 years ago that you can bring up in various places. And Mm. by the way, to be very clear, my people in my family would say I have a horrible memory. So the fact that I can pull these memories says that anybody can. Yeah, um, no, so I love that. It's a muscle you have to build basically. So yeah, I really, so it sounds like to find good stories. And I, I mean, this is very similar to what I teach is, is the idea of like, you have to actually get a little bit more specific. So you have to go, when I was at school, what was the most challenging moments at school? Yep. What were the most funny moments? Um, when I was at college, you know, if you went to college, what were the most challenging moments? What was, you know, what was a a time where I pushed myself or, Mm -hmm. and you kind of, you can gather all these little experiences that, that pop that stand out. And then, then you can draw lessons from them and things like that. I know for me, I always like asking like, you know, what was the most difficult times of your life? Um, what were the, what, what were some of the funniest moments you've had? Mm -hmm. What were some of the silliest moments? Um, you know, I, in fact, it's so funny, actually, my kids almost, almost every night at the dinner table, ask me to tell them a story. So they're like, Dad, tell me one of your funny stories. Like, I've got like stories of like, so I have a story of me literally doing a crap on my own shirt. That is the funny, like they literally asked me to tell this story almost now. That's a, that's a hook for you. Right. Um, like uh, this was when I was, uh, I think I was like 19 or something like that. And I basically did a crap on my own t-shirt. That's pretty impressive, Colin. <laughs> Very uh, impressive. But, I mean, so, that's why, that's why I own the, that's why I earn the big bucks. Right? That's right. That's exactly. why people come to me. <laughs> exactly. 
so one of the things I do want to say though is, and, and, and again, I think one of the things people, if they're hearing us have this discussion, they're going to think you have to be funny and you don't. Yes. No, like no. our personalities, we not, that's our natural personality is yeah, I do funny. dumb things way too many times. Right. So like I can capture those. Right. So like, I don't tell a lot of like sad stories, but I've told some, I also like, I tell people, and you made this point about, I don't know what you call me, but you nicely said, I'm very blunt. Um, at the beginning of our episode, you were saying, yeah, yeah. so I'm not the guy who's going to give you an inspirational quote. That's not, I mean, I'm not an inspire with that way. I'm going to inspire you by pointing out something is dumb. And so yeah. I don't try to be inspirational in my messages either. Cause that's just not me. Hmm. If, if listeners- but you do it, you do it in a way, like you have your personality and it's like quirky. It's kind of like, it's not personal, you know, it, it kind of has like a, you know, it has that kind of, it's the sharpness to it, but it's not like, it's not like, it's like an ouch, but it's not like, oh, you know, oh, what are you yeah. saying about me? Like kind of thing, yeah. so, you know, it's like, oh, you're right, Bobby. So what I like to say is, and again, this is a, this is a whole nother discussion, but what, I think it's worth talking about. Like one of the things that like story brand, a lot of people have heard the story brand notion that we have to be the guy. Okay. And with your weekly emails, you need to ignore that because you are going to be the protagonist in most of those stories and you should be. Um, but also like even more broadly, like one of the things I realized, one of the reasons I always had trouble with that is no one would ever look at me and, and to use the star Wars, Wars reference, think of me as Yoda or Obi-Wan. That's not my personality. Who am I? I'm Han Solo. I'm the wise cracking rebellious guy who I'm more likely to, to support you by coming in and, you know, and shooting Vader off your back end instead of leading you. That's, yeah. and, and, and knowing that about yourself is important too. And one of the things like this is, by the way, has, it's not just for email, but I encourage everyone, don't just do your client avatars. I want you to figure out your brand avatar. And, and mm. a way to do this is look at, um, you can just do Google searches for Jungian brand archetypes, like, like the, the psychologist Jung. Yeah, Jung and, and there's yeah. all of this thinking about this that, that hmm. categorizes people into different things. There's the hero, there's the ruler, there's the lover. There's all of the, there's the jester, there's the everyman, there's the rebel. And once you figure that out, like what is your dominant and then secondary, mm. all of a sudden everything fits me. My dominant is rebel, which yep. by the way, the rebel often, like when you read it, they are rebellious, but they're doing it to protect people. They're doing yeah. it almost as a big brother character. Yeah. And then jester is my secondary because I like to mm. make people laugh. And so yes. knowing that means I know where my emails go. I don't have to try to be inspirational in a, I'm going to give you an inspirational quote kind of a thing. One of my coaching clients, on the other hand, she is a, a yogi who has a program that is yoga, breathwork, meditation, et cetera, yeah. for pregnant women. If she wrote emails like mine, it wouldn't work, right? Mm. <laughs> she is a yeah, very, it's definitely not going to work. Yeah. She's a calm, very, you know, very calming presence. So that's going to be what mm. she brings. Um, and so all of that can kind of come in to how you do this and how you come up with your, the, the right stories for you. Mm. Another tidbit that I'll give you is what are things that you enjoy, like themes? And then like, you could add questions like that. It's like, for me, it's beer. So I could say, what are things about beer? What are stories about beer? Um, one of the, the stories I tell in the book is it, like I remember walking through the craft beer section somewhere and seeing a beer called Palette Wrecker. And I, I think about that now. I'm like, from a marketing perspective, who thought this was a good idea? 
drink this beer and you're not going to be able to taste right. I mean, this is, and again, I mean, I'm talking about it, right? But so I make a joke about that. Yeah. And again, it's the same thing. I use that as, as an example of, of they've kind of ruined it by going too far. Conversion copywriters have ruined email by making us go too far in conversion. So, mm. but beer is one of my themes. So you could ask questions about that. The other one for me is pop culture. And so I would ask the same kinds of questions like you were asking yourself and say, what are some of the most memorable things for me about movies or about music mm. or whatever, if that's something uh. you want to talk about a lot, because you'll find I drop references to, and again, my, my references are often dated. I drop references to Seinfeld, to Jerry Maguire, to Chasing Amy, to The Princess Bride, to all of those types of things on, uh. on the page we're working on that, that's the resource page for email, I drop a Joan Jett reference. I mean, so that's me. And, and yeah. you can kind of come up with those same kinds of stories. And when you do that, people will build this personality and they'll start to even not just in what you did, but well, Bobby mm. clearly likes beer. And so they'll start to associate that with you by you telling those stories. Oh, I love that. Bobby, uh, it's been so good having this conversation today. I think there's so much value for all the listeners um, drawing out from that that framework that you gave. Like that's really powerful. I'm assuming that's in the book. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things I've been teaching forever. It's in the book. And then yeah. on the resource page for the book, we actually have downloadables, examples yeah. and all that stuff. As so well. why would someone want to go and grab this book and register because i know right now you have like a pre-order page like a resource page that they can register for and so forth which yep. i'll give i'll give the link and put in the show notes but why should they head over like right now and and put their name down or, or grab the book so yeah we're not we're not doing an active pre-sale but here's why to do it um cool. on the page that, that you're going to link to now on may 3rd you'll be able to just go to amazon and get the book right. uh the first week uh, or first week or two, it'll be on sale. The ebook will be on sale for 99 cents. So if you're an ebook reader, you can get it for steal of a deal. But right now, if you're listening to this live, if you go to the resource page, a couple of things we did. Number one, I have changed how I do podcasts. I'm no longer doing weekly episodic. We're doing series. And so uh, on April 26th, we are dropping an entire series called Email Marketing That Doesn't Suck. It's 11 episodes. I think it's like six or seven hours of podcast episodes. Me walking through basically saying, I'm going to teach a mini course on email hmm. via that. The page also has all kinds of downloads, swipe files, uh, uh, the frameworks we've got that the one that's the framework we talked about another framework for the first email you send people nice. we will have links up to uh, google docs that you can use to start you know working building these things so we've got all of that stuff plus i have distilled a ton of lessons onto that page so it's like think of it mm -hmm. as like a pillar page of all things email mm -hmm. and you can can get all of that now and then you know the book i think of as kind of the book is the big picture. It's the let's, how do we think about it? How do we approach it? And then the page has a lot of the more, more nuanced tactical stuff. And then there's a link there where you can sign up for my free training program and get into my free course about email. So all of that yeah. out from that page. Love it. So if you guys want to check that out, just head over to, we will hook that up uh, under colinboyd.co forward slash email bobby. Uh, colinboyd.co forward slash email Bobby and the link will be in the show notes as well. So you can head over there, get all that cool resource. Sounds amazing. Um, I love Bobby's stuff because it's uh, easy to use. Uh, I think any idiot can make something more, more confusing, uh, but it takes genius to make it simple. And that's something that Bobby does. 
uh, which I love. And it's always good having a conversation with you, Bobby. And I'm excited about this next project for you. Thanks for coming on, buddy. It was fun. It was fun being here. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.